Welcome to the What the Elwood podcast, the podcast that's all about Longwood athletics. We talk with players, coaches, staff, alums, who knows? The goal is to bring Longwood and its stories closer to you straight from the source. I'm your host, Sam Hovan. Our guest today is Ron Brown, a Longwood alum who has witnessed 40 years of Longwood athletics. We talk about some of his favorite stories through the years, what motivated him to start a podcast about Lancer's past, and some of his current goals as the president of the Lancer Club Advisory Board. Here we go. Thanks for joining me today, Ron. I know it, this isn't a special podcast for me because we, we talk about a lot of Longwood's history, and it's something that you've experienced both as a Longwood graduate, you worked in sports information while you were a student at Longwood, you're the Lancer Club Advisory Board president, you've written historical pieces for longwoodlancers.com, and you're now hosting a podcast called Catching Up with Lancers from the Past, or just Lancers Past. You've had some really cool guests on. I know that it's been fun to listen to. And the, the best way that I can describe for, for listeners, Ron is simply the Encyclopedia Britannica of the last 40 years of Longwood Athletics. You know more details than I will probably ever learn, and, and you've probably forgotten more than I know right now. Um, so I, I kind of want to go through and talk about some of these different things, though. As, as you kind of have gone through, what was it like, you know, to, to be like, hey, I want to start a podcast now that I've lived so much Longwood Athletic history? Well, it was pretty easy to do. Uh, uh, a lot of the uh, folks who I've already interviewed, I knew when I was a student. Um, I got there in 1980, Longwood went co-ed in 76. So I feel like that I was part of history. Um, you're not going to find my name in the history books, but I saw it happen firsthand. And I think that makes a big difference. And you can really relate to some of the people that you interview with. Uh, you know, Rich Posipanko was one of the second interviews I did. Uh, he was the uh, soccer coach that started off in 1979. And he basically inherited a team that had won less than five games in the previous two years and built it from scratch. During that time period, a lot of the programs were being built by, you know, from scratch. Uh, Buddy Bolding came in, uh, his first year was 79. Uh, Ron Bash with basketball, his first year was 78, 79. And they were given <clears throat> the, um, uh, the, the marching orders to build a program to put Longwood on the map as far as male sports. Um, just like we're trying to promote Longwood as a D1 institution and increase the visibility of Longwood through that means, Back then, it was have sports to increase the vis visibility so guys would want to come to Longwood, and also ladies as well. But there was a lot of programs that were, that were put into place to, uh, to help that. Outside of sports, uh, you had the ROTC program that was put in, the business administration degree, uh, programs that are typically attracting males. So I... I remember a lot of what happened. Uh, Jerome Kersey and I came in the same year. So I saw him. He was one of my classes early on. So I felt like I was part of it. Um, I was intimately involved with, with history. And, and then becoming the Lancer Club Advisory Board president as well. I mean, you're still being intimately involved in history with, with all the different pieces. And, and I, I wanted to mention the podcast guests that you've had. Autumn Childress, you mentioned Rich Pospenko. Charlene Hurst, Jelani Dublin, and Carol um, Leischer. You kind of have run the gamut. I mean, that, that's players who graduated in 2018 in Autumn Childress all the way back to the 70s when our field hockey team finished sixth in the nation. What has interviewing those, those former student athletes been like? 
it's been, you're, been, you're able to see what Longwood was like through their eyes. Um, you look at Carol Eicher. Um, she was there when the school went co-ed, um, when they had, you know, they brought in a lot of that were brought in the first guys. Um, she was there before the NCAA sponsored women's athletics, and that didn't happen until 81, 82. Um, she was part of the first um, intercollegiate uh, field hockey tournament ever um, in, in 1975 with the, um, the AIAW, which is sort of like a female predecessor uh, to the NCAA. So you're able to look through somebody's eyes, just like if you have children, when they grow up, you're able to see things through their eyes, you know, and, and I think um, the guests that I've had on, like you said, have been all over the gamut. Um, and uh, I try to do uh, interview folks, you know, that are experiencing just, they just graduated like autumn in 18 to, um, to Carol Leischer, who graduated in, in 78. So try to try to hit a lot of different, and quite frankly, I like to try to kick over some rocks and find some stories that maybe people haven't really heard about. Um, I like to go a little bit deeper. Um, and uh, uh, as they, they say in the music business, sort of the deep cuts. Um, you know, everybody knows about, you know, the Tina Barrett's and the, and the Michael Tucker's and Jerome Kersey's and, and those folks. But there's some really interesting stories beyond the, the big, the big, big names. Well, and something you even wrote for Longwood Lancers is about how some, some, some of our best and biggest names have all kind of come from similar geographic locations. I mean, you know, Bluestone and, and, and all that. I thought that was really interesting how that that tied together. And you were even talking to me about a, a player that you played with baseball, Doug Toombs. He, he actually played a role in some recruiting that you would never have expected that wasn't related to baseball. Well, Doug Toombs, uh, he, uh, a grad, he came to Longwood in 79. Um, one of his friends, uh, from Bluestone high school who graduated the next year was a guy named Jerome Kersey, who happened to be a six at that time, a six, three guard on the Bluestone basketball team. And, um, Jerome, uh, it, even as a high school player, was pretty raw, but he, he play, played a guard. He was one of those players that did everything. Um, and so Doug uh, told Coach Bolding and said, Coach Bolding, there's this kid in my high school that um, I think is really good that can play here. And so he, uh, Coach Bolding referred him to Coach Bash at the time and then the assistant coach, uh, Mo Sheffer. They saw Jerome um, and liked what they saw. They offered him. He shows up to campus in August at 6-6 and, um, and really, again, was pretty raw. But they thought they were recruiting a guard, and they ended up with a forward. Um, and so, you know, Jerome is, is really a case of uh, the right place at the right time, um, especially after he left Longwood. He was very athletic. He could run the floor real well. He could rebound. He had a, um, a work ethic second to none. Um, he would go after every loose ball, rebound, et cetera. Um, I mean, a lot of people have, have seen, uh, maybe have seen Dennis Rodman play or saw the 30 for 30s on him and the way he played. Jerome was a little bit like that. He didn't have the multicolored hair like Dennis did, but um, or does, or the piercings and all that. But but they both had that really that almost killer instinct to get the ball and, and to go after it. 
Um, but Jerome's big break uh, came from his, uh, his former um, college coach at the time, Cal Luther. And Cal got uh, Jerome in the Portsmouth Invitational Tournament. And once – and there's a really good podcast that the Portland Trailblazers did called The Trail where they featured Jerome, and there's some interview footage in there for, um, uh, from Cal. But that got, that got Jerome in front of people like Jerry West, Red Arback, um, all the GMs um, in the NBA. And, he, and, and Jerome had a really good uh, tournament. And then from there on, he pre- continued to prove himself. But Portland was a good fit for him uh, because Portland was looking for more athletic players, people like Clyde Drexler, Terry Porter, Jerome Kersey. Um, they wanted to get more athleticism. And so <laughs> Jerome – he was in the right place at the right time. Portland needed an athletic kid. Jerome fit that bill. But the bottom line with him, to, to sum up Jerome and why it worked, is he worked hard. Um, he, uh, his game at Longwood was basically five feet in. He was not an outside shooter. Um, he was a slasher. He uh, loved to dunk, as we all know, and, and did well in the dunk contest in the NBA. But um, he, it was the right place at the right time, but he had an incredible work ethic. Somebody who took advantage of the opportunity. I mean, in a nutshell. And, and I have to ask, I mean, is it something where when you watch him play, you're like, oh, this guy's going to play somewhere at the next level? Or is it just he kind of continued to grow because of that work ethic? Well, I don't think anybody in college really thought that he was going to play in the NBA. I, I mean – it's easy to say, oh, yeah, I, you know, I knew it from the first time I saw him and all that. But um, I think it, his, his uh, biggest hurdle was the exposure. Mm-hmm. I mean, nobody really knew about him um, until the, the Portsmouth tournament. And so he, um, he was always a, a athletic, go-for-it type player. But I don't, I don't think, you know, during his senior year – at Longwood that people say, oh, yeah, you're definitely going to play in the NBA um, or you're going to even get drafted. I mean, <laughs> you know, much less play. So back then when Jerome uh, was drafted, there were like 10 rounds of the NBA draft. Um, so, I mean, there were a lot of guys drafted in the, you know, 8th, ninth, 10th round that really weren't – really didn't have a legitimate shot. But now the draft is only two. Um, so, I don't know if that answers your question or not. It makes sense to me, you know, and – and we think about some of the different players that have come through. Another one, actually, that I was going to bring up that you got to see in person, the 1982 baseball team, D2 World Series. You were, you were a student when that happened. Yeah, and I was working in the sports information office for my friend and mentor, uh, Hope Curry. Um, the 1982's team was, was really the culmination of a program that had sort of hit maturity. Now, you have to remember, Buddy got there. His first season was 1979, okay? So you have, you know, 79, 80, 81, and then 82. So the fourth year of the, of the program, he goes to the College World Series. That's, that's unheard of. I mean, that's – and he also did it with no scholarships. But a lot of the same – a lot of the guys he recruited, his first recruits for that 79 team, were on that 82 team. Uh, David Mitchell, Denny Ulrey, uh, just to name a few. I know I'm missing a lot of some obvious people, but uh, those were the, some of the two, the two of the keys um, of that team. But um, 
and Buddy, of course, recruited real heavily from Virginia. He went to his roots in the Roanoke Valley, Bedford County. Um, he had been a uh, successful high school baseball coach at Stanton River before he came to, uh, to Longwood. Had a lot of ties down there. Grew up in a place, a place called, I believe, Hardy, Virginia, which is in Bedford County. So he, he knew that area. Um, and when he, you know, he got the job in like May or June, and he had to field a team for the upcoming year. So you got kids out there that, you know, most, most kids could, already know where they're going to school by the summer before their freshman year of college. But Buddy went out and, and basically scoured the, the Roanoke Valley to, to find uncommitted kids. And I think that's what made the 82 team really special. Um, we did have some, some All-Americans from that team, but there's, uh, there's nobody from that team that's on the Hall of Fame yet. Um, you know, Toombs, as you mentioned, was on that team. David Mitchell, who was a, a 5'11 right-handed pitcher and sort of one of Buddy's aces during that time. Um, he, uh, you know, he's a, a possibility for the Hall of Fame. Um, and again, and a guy named John Sullivan was an All-American. Dwayne Kingery was an All-American. But not the real big name like the Tucker or, or like something like that. So it was really um, – it was very – it was a team with a lot of chemistry. They got along with each other. Uh, they, they meshed and molded. So it, it really was a, a great group of guys. Kind of one of those storybook teams where just everything clicks and it, it goes, right? And, and one of the times it really clicked is when they went down to the regional tournament and they, uh, they beat the host uh, team, Valdosta State. Valdosta has, a, has had a D2 baseball dynasty down there in the, the Division II level, and they were expected to win. It would be like going on Kentucky's home court or something as a, you know, a uh, non-Power 5 D1 and going there and knocking Kentucky off or something or, or going into JPJ at UVA and knocking them off. We, we played at their place. It was a hostile environment. I was not at the game myself, but I have uh, talked with Buddy and Doug and a number of people to sort of picture it. And uh, we weren't supposed to win that, and we did. Um, we won that, went out to the uh, D2 College World Series in Riverside, California, and, and, and played with the big boys. And we, uh, we were eliminated in two games. Um, but um, we got there, and that's what counts. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, that's really cool. And, you know, we, and we talk about some of the greats. You mentioned some of the greats from baseball. I know you've had a chance through the course of your podcast to talk to um, Charlene Hurst probably – I would say one of the most decorated athletes that Longwood's had a couple of national championships in women's golf in the, in the mid eighties. I know that's a little bit after your time, but it kind of, what was it like talking to her and, and getting her perspective on things? Well, you know, the, the accolades, as you mentioned, speak for themselves. Uh, she uh, won an NCAA award for her, not only her golf, but being a, a well-rounded person. And, Charlene really, when you talk, if you talk to her or read her quotes, she really has a, um, a real um, close relationship, not just with the people in golf, but the whole Longwood Farmville community. She made sure that it would not just be about a golfer, her golf experience. Uh, she was very involved with the Presbyterian Church there in Farmville. 
Um, she, uh, she was talking about being or creating a quiz bowl where they, you know, you get together some of your friends and compete in like a battle of the brains or college quiz bowl type of environment. So she was very, very grateful for the opportunity. She came not just to play golf, but come to America and to play golf. Um, in the podcast, you may have heard the story about how she flew into New York and took a Greyhound bus all the way down to Richmond. And how, when looking back, uh, she would never put her own daughter, who's getting ready to go into high school, through that experience. But she just has a real affection for Barbara Smith, who recruited her, and um, everybody in her support network. She's like a history or a history major. She talks, I mean, we talked, she talked about the history majors as much as she talked about her teammates uh, at the golf team. So that's the big takeaway I had from, from her. And just how well-spoken and, and well-rounded individual she is. You talk about all the history and you love digging history. Where does your love of this history come from? I mean, you, you love Longwood athletics. You've seen so much of it. Why do you like to dig into it? Uh, to me, it's about the people. It's about their story. It's, it's about the, you know, the, the Jelani Dublins who, um, who get hurt and then, uh, you know, they have an extra year. They're able to be, he went to transfer to Iona, and then he went on to become a physical therapist. Um, you know, Jelani, uh, I think a lot of these former Longwood student athletes and even the coaches all have a, a story to tell about themselves, about how they've developed, um, how they have uh, of, of persevered through tough times. Um, so it's, it's not just, I mean, athletics is sort of the, the, the highlight, but when you get deeper into it, you find about the human being um, and, and the person and, and their interest. One thing I have found is that they, they have more um, affection now for if they have kids or if they're a coach, they seem to be more excited about seeing them do well than what they did back at Longwood. That's definitely a common denominator. Now, obviously, Autumn and, and Jelani haven't reached that stage in their life, but I know for uh, for Carol, whose daughter went to Longwood and played um, Lindsay, and then for certainly for Charlene, they really uh, have a affection for teaching the game, not just or teaching life skills, not just to their kids, but if they're a coach like uh, like Carol Leischer was um, up in the um, the Fredericksburg area of North Stafford, so that's that's what I that's why I like it. That's why I do it. It's it's not to get rich. I do it because I I enjoy it, and I I think that you know the D one experience that we have now is fine, but we we experience things on the D two level and D three that we may never experience on the D one. You know, the College World Series, the Final Four. In D3, um, you know, Shirley Duncan's uh, uh, 20, all her 20 win seasons, although Rebecca Tillich really putting it on now, um, you know, what, what Shirley Duncan did back in the, in the 90s um, with those streaks that she had of not just winning seasons, but she had like six 20 win seasons in 10 years. Um, and, and a lot of those were without a conference too. And, and you know, so we were independent for so many years. Uh, and, and you talk about that. I mean, the men's team in the 93-94 season that won 20-something, 20, 20 games in a row and then went to the national tournament. The 95 team that did the same thing went to the national tournament. Uh, there's, there's definitely a, a lot of history there. I was going to ask, what's one of the stories that 
that you've gotten to tell that maybe was your favorite or one you haven't gotten to tell yet, but you're like, oh, this is a really fun story that I just have enjoyed learning more about. Oh, certainly the, the most eye-opening was the 75 field hockey team. Uh, because there were a lot of things that athletes take for granted now that they didn't have. They were, uh, back then, there were no scholarships. There was, like I said, no NCAA affiliation. It was through the AIAW. They, they were, you know, first time. Uh, they were, they were in fact, um, and you probably heard this in the podcast, they originally were not invited. And the story is that the University of Oklahoma, as in Sooners, Norman, Oklahoma, decided they couldn't come. And so Longwood was next on the list. And we got in the tournament and finished sixth out of 16. So I think that's probably one of my favorites. Um, I, in doing this podcast, I have to really um, concentrate on not staying with sports that I know about. So uh, being able to learn about field hockey and, you know, women's lacrosse and golf and things like that. It's been a real growing experience for me. So I, I appreciate the, 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 uh, the patience <laughs> that some of these folks have given a, a novice when it comes to these sports. But, you know, people are people. Athletics is athletics. And, and just the, the stories that they are able to tell. Um, I've got, uh, I got a couple surprises. We're going to, in the next two podcasts, if all goes right, we're going back into the 70s and early 80s. And, um, and uh, I've got some other neat, uh, neat facts that, um, neat stories that we'll, we'll bring out. I think it's interesting you mentioned the 70s and 80s because it feels like that's kind of the genesis. And so there's always so many fun stories when you're at the start of something because nobody's ever done it before. You have to be the first one to do it. I know one of the ones I really enjoyed talking to um, was actually Julie Dayton and her experience both playing field hockey and lacrosse and, and picking up a lacrosse stick for the first time and, and learning all those different things. And yeah, it's just, it's, it's fascinating the different things that, that, that student athletes go through and the work that they have to put in. I think everybody that I've talked to though, um, still like you talked about, has a special love for Farmville. It, it's a neat, it's a neat relationship that they develop while they're here. Yeah. And you had mentioned about, about Julie's story uh, back in the, in the seventies. I don't I know with Carol, they didn't have assistant coaches that went out and recruited the coaches basically took the talent that was already at the school and made the team. So, so, so it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a much different, they didn't have, like, they didn't have any money um, back when Carol was there. And, and so it was a totally, again, that's for the women's side and the, the men's side, they were D, you know, D3 for the first two years, but like Buddy's 82 team, the college world series, he had no scholarships in that team, mm -hmm. none. And, and he didn't have an assistant coach either. So, I mean, it is, it is miraculous on what he was able to accomplish with his limited resources. It's, it's, uh, it's incredible. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, it was a different time back then, no question. But you're right. The 70s and 80s were the genesis. That was when it, I think, really started. Um, not just men coming in there, but the, uh, the women's athletics. And then the NCAA – uh, started sponsoring women's athletics in 81, 82, and things took off. If you ever look at the NCAA Final Four plaque, where they call it the bronze and walnut plaque um, from the men's 1980 team, 
It only has a silhouette of a guy. But if you look at the um, 82 or even the 91 College World Series, you'll see a guy and a lady there. Really? Yeah, because like I said, the NCAA was not involved with women's athletics until 81, 82. And then there was one year of overlap with the uh, AIAW, which was sort of the NCAA equivalent of women's sports prior to that. But that's that whole that's a very interesting um, angle. So yeah, if you ever if you go back in the storeroom and pull those out, that's that's what you'll see. <laughs> so in fact, Sam, I will I will send you a uh, text because I took a picture of them at the hundredth anniversary of the two of them. You can look at it. Okay. But yeah, yep, different times, no doubt. Can you believe that you've seen four different decades of Longwood athletics? I don't feel like I'm 58. I feel like I'm about 26 and this is all new and with all the new energy. Sometimes I feel like I'm 18, but uh, when I talk to some of these folks and, um, but it's, it's really, it, it's been real exciting, but yeah, four decades is a long time. That's, that's a, that's a reality check, Sam, that I am, you know, I'm approaching, you know, 60. So. Well, I'm just thinking of it as like, you think about, the teams that you've seen through the years, I mean, we've, we've talked about Kersey, we've talked a little about Michael Tucker, Shirley Duncan, you, you've seen the greats, and then you've even talked to a couple that were before your time at Longwood. You've basically seen them kind of all the way through, and now you're a part of the, the Lancer Club Advisory Board. Um, you and I were talking before we went on. I mean, there's, you guys have a special connection with that advisory board to the, long, to the, the past Longwood, specifically because part of your mission. Exactly. The way I look at the Lancer Club Advisory Board, we sort of lead by example. Um, there's about 30 people on the board, and we all contribute um, at different levels financially uh, to Longwood Athletics. Um, a lot of the folks on the board are former student athletes. Um, we have former coaches like Dr. Smith's on there. Teresa and myself are also on the board. And Neither one of us played, but we are, we were definitely and still are big, you know, big supporters. So there's, I mean, there are a lot of opportunities um, that, um, that we try to promote um, as far as athletics. And you're talking about some of the big names of, of Longwood College Athletics. There have been scholarships already established for those folks like Buddy Bolding, Buddy and Andrea Bolding, Andrea's his wife, and Tucker and Dr. Smith and Shirley Duncan. Uh, for anybody who's gone down to the athletic complex and looked at the blue field, they'll know who Elizabeth Berger Jackson is, scholarship in her name. There's a scholarship in the name of Mark McCardle, who was a soccer player who passed away back in 2004, unfortunately. And then, of course, there's a, a scholarship for Jerome Kersey and then Hope Curry that Teresa and I established. And the neat thing about these scholarships is that if somebody wanted to donate more to these scholarships, they could. So if somebody said, hey, you know, I can't create my own scholarship, but I wanted to donate $100 or $1,000 or whatever to the uh, Michael Tucker scholarship that would go to baseball. They're a really big baseball fan. They can certainly do that. Or if they're a big women's golf supporter, they could, you know, send money to the um, Barbara Smith scholarship for women's golf. And, uh, you know, there are ways to do that. You can go on the um, – on our website, when I say our website, the Longwood website, give.longwood.edu, athletics, slash athletics, um, or just pick up the phone and call the development office and they can steer you in the right direction. The final uh, scholarship piece that we have, which is pretty interesting, 
uh, I think is called the Longwood Family Scholarship Program. And this basically leverages uh, matching gifts. There are different ways you can designate your gift uh, through the, the, the Cook Cole College of Arts and Sciences, Business and Economics, Education and Human Services, and of course, Longwood Athletics. So you have to put in a total of $15,000 to get a $15,000 match. So if I have 15 grand, I donate it, let's say to toward Lancer Athletics, that's gonna be matched you know, 100% for another, so you have basically $30,000. Now, if you're most, like most people, you don't have 15 grand laying around, at least I don't, um, then you can, you can do it incrementally. You can basically commit to do 15,000 over five years, do three grand each year, and you can do it that way. So the deadline for that is the end of this year, 1231 of 2020. Um, again, if you're interested, if people are interested in that, they can go to the give.longway.edu. But the key part about that that's, I think, unique is that matching component. Um, and that's something that we're trying to get our Longwood uh, Lancer Club Advisory Board members, if they haven't already done so, to maybe be involved with that or do something collectively with the, with the board. So, you know, like D1 athletics and all athletics, you can't outwork money. You've got to have money for the scholarships and the facilities. Um, and, and, you know, to continue our, our progression up, it's, it's really vital because state funds don't pay for athletics. And, well, and it's part of the – I mean, in the mission, too, of the advisory board, I mean, that, that's part of the mission is giving people the opportunities, you know, to pursue higher education. A absolutely. We, we, you know, there are a lot of lives that have been changed uh, or family trees that have been changed because of a college education. And they happen to play a sport and they're having, you know, given the opportunity to play college athletics. I mean, the first example of that is Jerome Kersey. You know, I don't know if Jerome um, really thought, you know, and what I've read from like his coach that he had in basketball, college was not something that, that he really thought about as a freshman or a sophomore in, um, in high school. Um, but, you know, things worked out and he was able to get a scholarship. In fact, I think he was one of the first scholarship players that we had uh, on the D2 level back in uh, 1980. But um, so, yeah, it really, I mean, given there's nothing, nothing better than the opportunity for an education. I mean, it just opens up so many doors um, and, and really uh, not just helps your earning income later on, but it helps you as a, as a person. Um, and we've all heard the, the success stories, not just, you know, they're tied with athletics, but, but other endeavors as well. Well, you mentioned a guy like Jelani Dublin now doing physical therapy and enjoying it. I mean, he, I loved listening to, to what you guys talked about, how he takes the lessons that he learned and he applies it to where he's working on a daily basis. I think that, I think that's something that's really neat and an underrated part, taking the experience that you've had in the past and being able to use it on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah, and one of the one of the quotes he had in that podcast really uh, is almost like something you would find in a, a self help book, where he talked about keep your eye on the race. He said, you know, when you when you're the race being the the the, the journey of life, and he said there's things that are going to distract you and and take you off that course temporarily, but you need to keep your eye on your ultimate goal, um, and uh, you know. Jelani, and I, I try to, to talk to some folks, you know, friends of his or coaches before I do the interview as much as possible. And, 
everybody raved about Jelani and about how mature and professional he is. And, and you, you heard that in the interview, obviously. Uh, well, and I was going to say, if, if people want to go listen to it, where do they find Lancer Cast? Yeah, so you go to you go through um, Apple's podcast. Um, use the search uh, Lancers Pass. You can put in Lancers, and it'll it'll come up as well. Uh, I have a um, a Facebook page called Lancers Pass Podcast. Um, you can they can go there. Um, if uh, they can Google it as well, uh, I do not have a website for Lancers Pass. I'm sort of relying on Facebook a little bit. Uh, but they can certainly, if all else fails, please email me. And um, pretty simple, brown8043 at comcast.net. Um, you can go to LinkedIn. I'm on there as well. Um, or, um, you know, try me, try me any way you can get me. I'll be more than happy to steer you in the right direction. Cool. We appreciate it. And uh, I look forward to the, to the next episode, whatever nuggets you dig up. I'm, I'm looking forward to listening. Yeah. Next interview will be um, June 30th and it'll probably air, I say air, it'll be on the, on the internet, uh, probably around the July 4th uh, weekend area. All right. We appreciate it. Thanks, Ron. Hey, thank you, Sam, for having me. Thanks again, Ron. I always feel like I learned some new piece of Lancer history when we chat. We've expanded the podcast to new venues so you can follow it in many of your favorite places like Google Play Music or Spotify, or you can find it at longwoodlancers.com in the Fan Zone section under Podcasts. If you want Longwood Athletics videos, subscribe to Longwood U Lancers on YouTube. Of course, Longwood Athletics is verified on Twitter. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll catch you next time on the What the Elwood Podcast.